Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. Everybody has a unique marketing modality that's that's built up of their particular communication strengths, their preferences for leadership and persuasion, their preferences for the arena that they enjoy working in. And when they pull all of those things together and they focus their marketing using that modality, they find that their marketing is much more effective and it requires less output on their part in order to actually do what they need to do, which is to bring their business and their customers together. We've got to, we've got to remember that the whole point of marketing is to bring our business and our customers into the same place, whether it's virtual or in brick and mortar. The goal is we get, we get them together. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. If you haven't heard my recent conversations yet with the author of Exactly What to Say, Phil M. Jones, and with corporate storyteller Donna Griffith, then do go listen in. But only after you've listened here to today's conversation. I'm really excited to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest today, Franklin Taggart. Franklin is a career business and life coach for creative people and a professional musician for over 40 years. His business is providing unconventional career, business and life coaching for unconventional people, for creators, for artists, for freelancers, for do-it-yourself digital explorers and accidental entrepreneurs. He leads people to take their creative spiritual gifts seriously and to put them into meaningful action. He also provides guidance and accountability for creative projects from idea to launch and produces and hosts his own podcast and video series called Your Own Best Company. In our conversation today, Franklin talked to me about attention as our greatest superpower. He explained that our unique gifts are not our actions or behaviours, but manifest themselves through our actions and our behaviour. And we explored the importance of community and finding communities where our gift is the missing link. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Franklin Taggart. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome today to the InnovaBuzz podcast from Loveland, Colorado in the USA, Franklin Taggart, who's a career, business, and life coach for creative people. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Franklin. It's a real privilege to have you here as my guest. Oh, Jürgen, I, I couldn't be more delighted. Thank you for the invitation. Jason Van Orden, who was our guest on episode 275, and Michael Roderick, who was our guest on episode 328, introduced us through their events. So a big hello to both Jason and Michael. Yes, indeed. Now, you state on on online properties that you provide unconventional career business and life coaching for unconventional people. So I'm really looking forward to digging into that some more. You also produce and host your own podcast and video series called Your Own Best Company, and I've got the privilege of joining you on that as a guest in a little while. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, before we start talking about all things unconventional, what's the impact you're making in the world today, Franklin? Well, the, the people that I'm helping, they, they tend to be usually older. Uh, and most of them, <laughs> some of them are well over 40. Um, but I, I would say that the oddity for me would be to have somebody that's under 40 as a, as a client. Mm. The people that come to me have had a dream for a long time of something that they've wanted to do. It could be that they wanted to write a book or that they wanted to create, they wanted to learn how to write songs or they wanted to learn how to do something or they wanted to start a YouTube channel or a podcast or a blog. And they come to me because I have, I have tried my hand at all of those things. Some, some of them many times. Um, but I also, I have a real tendency to, to have a, a compassion for people who are deeply dissatisfied with their work. Um, and they feel like that there's something more that they're missing, but they're not quite sure what it is, or they might be sure what it is and they're afraid to actually engage with it. So a lot of the folks that I work with have been holding on to these long held creative dreams and, um, and they're ready to do something about it. And that's when they call me. Mm -hmm. How do people know when, when they've kind of got to that point that they're ready to take some action? I mean, I can understand because I've been in that situation a number of times where something has to change. I just feel yeah. bad. You know, I, I had it at the end of my corporate career where after 27 years, 25 of which I was really excited to go to work every day and really motivated all the time. And then I had two years where I just didn't want to go to work. And yeah. so I knew something had to change, but I didn't know what. I didn't know what to do. So how, how do people find you, come to you and realize that, I'll talk to Franklin, I'll get some help to understand what the next step is. I think for, for a lot of people, it starts with restlessness. They just, they have this sense of restlessness that they can't, that they can't do anything about. And it's, it's like, there's some kind of a knowing that they have, that they have to do something different, but they don't know quite what. For some people, they're on the edge of burnout. They're, you know, they're reaching to the point um, in their current career path that they just, they don't have any energy for it anymore. Sometimes they feel really depressed about it and they feel like that they don't have any choice because they've made the commitment for this long and it's really hard to let go of a steady paycheck and a retirement account. Hmm. Um, but the thing that I think is most common for, for folks is that they just have, they've reached a point. Some of them feel like that they can't grow anymore in the job that they're in or in the work that they're doing. Some of them have ideas that their current work won't let them follow, won't let them realize. Mm -hmm. And they just feel like that they have to do something about that. So those are some of the most common things that I see, but probably the most common is that sense of restlessness that something needs to change now and I need to explore what that is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's there must be a lot of people in that situation and, and as I say, I've been in that situation where something has to change. I can't go on like this, but yeah. not, not, not knowing, well, okay, I know what has to change. I have to basically leave this job and do something different, but yeah. You know, what does that look like? The easy one, of course, would be go find another job. But many people, and that's how I was when I ended my corporate career, was, well, I don't think I want another job. I think I want to do something different. Yeah. That's also a, a very common uh, situation for the people that I work with, is that they don't want to go back into uh, something that they've just left or anything like it. They want to experience something new, something different, something where they feel a little bit more of a sense of purpose. You know, those kinds of things are definitely um, common in the, in the people that, that seek me out. They're looking for those kinds of experiences. Hmm. 
often, and, and I know this is your journey, often people have creative gifts of, or gifts of some sort that have been hobbies or just a little part-time passion project that they've done. And particularly if they've been hobbies, they don't necessarily consider that something they could do as a full-time profession. So how yeah. do you how do you explore that and determine whether they have some special gifts that can be turned into a full-time sustainable profession? One of the things I think is important for people to to grasp is that they they have a gift that's innate and that gift can be expressed through any number of activities it's not necessarily the activity um, that is the gift the gift is carried through the activity and that was a hard lesson for me to learn personally because i was a musician and i thought that music was my gift hmm. what ended up happening was that i ended up getting tendonitis in both of my arms and could no longer play the guitar and i was making my living at the time playing guitar and teaching guitar lessons so i was left without a career i was left without a path and what i ended up having to do was reinvent myself and one of the things that started to happen very naturally during that time was people started asking me for help in in navigating going from a more traditional career. I, I was living in the Washington DC area at the time. And a lot of the people that I knew worked either in government or they worked for unions or they worked for associations or organizations. And they wanted to move out of that kind of bureaucratic and organizational work and do more creative things. Like they wanted to go into music or they wanted to go into art or they wanted to be an author. And they would come to me and they would just ask if I would help them to navigate that. Mm. And the telltale sign for me, <laughs> I, I had gone through a really severe illness that lasted about two years. And toward the end of that illness, there was a major surgery involved. And I, had, I was in the ICU after my surgery. And a friend of mine visited who happened to be the hospital chaplain. Well, he, he checked in on me and he did his job, you know, his, his chaplain thing, and it was wonderful. But what ended up happening next was that we ended up talking about his music career for the next two and a half hours. All right. <laughs> and that, that opened my eyes because here I was in the ICU after major surgery, totally drugged up. And yet I was, I was so, energized by that exchange that I couldn't sleep. Mm. And so one of the telltale signs that a person's gift is in action is that they are just as energized by it as the person who's receiving it. So what I realized in that moment was that there was something important that had happened. And I had had a few experiences of people asking for that kind of help before, and I had had a similar experience of my own of feeling very energized by it and finally it dawned on me that what was going on was that i was coaching and that i really really liked it hmm. <laughs> and so i decided at that time i still couldn't play music so i just decided to, to try coaching on for size and see how it went and so i've been doing it ever since um, but I really feel like that when, when a person brings their gift to the table, it can show up in a number of ways, a number of activities. Um, so it's not the activity that's the gift. It's the activity that's the conduit for the gift to be delivered. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. And, um, that having the self-awareness to recognize what that is and to look beyond the activity as you call it to yeah. what am i bringing to this what's what's my special unique talent and gift that i'm contributing here and and also why does that really energize me why does that motivate me because i think that's important as well and i know from my day i talked about you know the end of my corporate career and 
I didn't realize this at the time, but reflecting back now, the thing that really energized me was making a difference to our customers. And I was in a whole variety of roles right through my career that, you know, vastly different roles. And the common theme, if I look back to that, was bringing some knowledge and skills to the customers that actually made enabled them to be successful yeah. in some way. And, and that was what drove me. And the moment that the company's culture kind of prevented that or, or put so many barriers in the way that that became really difficult to do, that was yeah. where I, I started losing motivation and, and getting to that point of restlessness and something's got to change here. That would have been a perfect time for you to call me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, where were you then? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Okay. Um, so how do we, how do we as individuals, if, if let's say we're feeling that restlessness, how do we kind of do some self-assessment, do some awareness without necessarily having to go to the ICU? And, yeah. And um, I mean, the conversation's you had there could be one way of doing that but uh, how do we engineer those conversations without having that crisis first i think at some point well at some level i think that there is a crisis of some kind it doesn't have to be as serious as mine hmm. um although the kind of personality that i am it takes really serious things to get my attention to pay you know to, <laughs> to really consider any other options besides the one that I've set my mind on. But I really feel like that there are so many ways that you can get at that information now. Um, and there are a lot of coaches out there that are doing somewhat similar work. There are tools that are available now that uh, I, I think are exquisite in their accuracy and help people to really identify the one that comes to mind is the Clifton Strengths uh, Finder. That that tool, uh, I was blown away um, when I went through it not too long ago with a friend of mine, who's also a, a career coach. Um, it was it was eye opening, and there were things in that that I just I had never really realized about myself, but it was so affirming to see that on paper and go, oh my gosh, that explains so much, mm. right? So those kinds of tools are available now. Um, but I think more than anything else, I think it's important for people to realize that those feelings that they're having don't mean that there's something wrong with them. Those feelings that they're having are, are natural feelings that we all have at various times. And I think, I think it's important for us to look at that those feelings are actually just a way of us, you know, initiating an essential change, something that needs to happen. Hmm. Those feelings are, are letting us know that that's going on. And the longer that we ignore them or avoid them, I think the more painful and difficult it becomes. I've certainly been in jobs before where I stayed long past the time that I should have. Hmm. And I, you know, it took years to recover from those jobs once I was done with them. Um, so I think it's really important to look at those signs and say, you know what, this is, this is something that's leading me in a direction. One other thing that I think is really important for people to give themselves permission to do is to explore. And I feel like that our, our culture in the world today, and I think it's, it's more pronounced here in America than anywhere else, but I've seen it in other cultures as well, we have a tendency to, to feel like that we're supposed to know all of the answers before we make a decision. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that we don't give ourselves the chance to get out into uncharted territory and just look and see what's there. And I really feel like that a lot of what I do for people is I help them to, to see they don't have to know everything they really only need to know one thing, and that is what, what they want to look at next. It's really that simple. And so one of the things that I tell, talk to people about is, what is your best next step here? Let's not, let's not talk about 
a five-stage blueprint that you're going to unfold over the next five years, what is the next, what's the next level of curiosity that you have right now? What's, what are you looking at in your life where you just say, Hmm, that's something that I really want to delve into. Hmm. You know, that's one of the things that I feel really blessed with is that I've never run out of curiosity, <laughs> you know, yeah. but I really feel like that for a lot of folks, the thing they need to do before they make any decision at all is to just explore what's possible for them. Hmm. And that's, that's a lot of what I do at the very beginning. Uh, of a coaching relationship is to really just explore what's possible and what really is most resonant for you right now. Which one really leaps out at you as something that you just want to dive into? Yeah, and I like the idea of that what's the best next step. To me, that almost enables action automatically because if we look at doing a five-year business plan or a a major project plan and it's this huge thing and it tends to i mean i find it tends to be overwhelming and and that leads to procrastination because you sort of look at it and say oh wow there's just too much to do here and yeah. so you end up procrastinating whereas if we can break that down into well what's the very next best step what's the very next step the best step that i can take yeah move this forward um, and even if we're you don't have the five-year plan or you don't have the outcome envisioned fully. It's kind of like jumping into the sea, um, not yeah. knowing where the end of the world is, when you're going to sail off a, off a cliff at some point, but you do take the action. <laughs> well, we've, we've collectively learned in the last two years that we, that we can't predict the future Yeah, and that five-year plans have, have sometimes have to change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, the the idea of a five year plan that's locked into place, I think, is uh, well and truly um, yeah. past its use by date. Um, certainly, in those planning exercises, a lot of flexibility is certainly required as well. Isn't that true? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now, one of the things you say is that community is really important, and you describe it as the source of all opportunity so tell yeah. us a little bit more about that what why is community so important and how do you see it as the source of all opportunity anytime that i'm working with somebody who is starting in business or has been in business for a while and they're experiencing any kind of lack or scarcity like if they are not if they are not finding clients if they are not, if they don't have enough revenue coming in, the place that I always start is that I, I ask them, how disconnected do you feel right now from your, from your community circles? And almost nine times out of 10, probably more than that, I get an answer that they feel very disconnected. And that's the place that I always turn them and say, here's where you need to go first. You need to reconnect with your people. You need to talk to people and listen to people and just get your, get back into the circles again. And you need to find out what they need and you need to respond. I think the biggest mistake that I see, and it's the biggest mistake that I've made, and it's the biggest mistake that I see other people make, is they try to come up with ideas outside of their community circles and bring them in. Hmm. And that very often is a, is a cause for their failure because they haven't created the program or the idea. They haven't done the creating in the context of community. And so they've created kind of in a, in a place where it's too, it's too sterile. It's not real. And hmm. as a result, their product or their service fails. So community in my mind is the place that you need to start and it's the place that you need to create. And it's the, it's the place that you have to deliver. So all of the opportunity that we're ever looking for is found in the communities that we're a part of. There's no other place for it to be found. You can't, you can't generate that by yourself on your own, you know, 
in a in a room uh, that isn't connected to the outside world. It's just not possible. Hmm. And how how do we kind of build that community from scratch, particularly for those people that are just starting out? And mm-hmm. then once it's built, how do we sustain that community even before we've got this um, idea that we're wanting to test somewhere? Well, there are a couple of things that I would reflect on that. And one of them is you may not have to build a community at all because communities already exist all around you and you're already a member of many. Hmm. In, my, in my definition, a community is two or more people who share something in common. Yeah. And we're in communities all, all over the place. So there may already be ample communities for you to serve in and to bring your gifts forward. And there may be communities already that are out there where your gift is the missing link. It's the missing piece for them. Hmm. So it may not be something that you have to build yourself. One of the things that I encourage a lot of my creative clients to do is to partner with other creatives. And instead of, instead of building an audience for one author, create a scene for many authors to reach a wider audience in. The way that I think about it is like, you know, if somebody's interested in a band that makes one kind of music and there are, there are 10 other bands that make the same kind of music, those same people may be very interested in those bands. So why don't those 11 bands get together and create something that combines their audiences so that they can all benefit and they can all reach a wider group of people? Hmm. It makes sense, right? But I think one of the things that happens is that we get into that scarcity mentality where we feel like that we have to compete for the same dollar. And I don't believe that that's true when it comes to creative work. I think that what's happening in creative work is that we find audiences that appreciate a certain aesthetic or a certain kind of writing or a certain kind of music or a certain kind of art. And I think, I think it works better for us to work in collaboration with other artists to reach those people because we can combine our resources. We can reach more people more efficiently, more effectively, and we can create an ongoing demand for the work that we do. And we don't have to maintain the whole community ourselves. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great advice. And I think there's a couple of models of that really that have been in place for a long, long time. And that's if I'm I'm thinking of you mentioned bands. Yeah. Events that are live events that are put on. Remember those? <laughs> they used to oh, be yeah. a few years back. Um <laughs> they often they would have um events with maybe half a dozen bands or half a dozen musicians. So it wasn't just one. Now, some of them, of course, have the headline event or the headline um, act, but some of them have five or six or seven different acts that are equally the headline act, if you like. And so the fans of each of those five or six different bands or performers come together if they know about that event. And so it's a shared experience. It is that um, shared model that you mentioned. And the other one I'm thinking of is art exhibitions or photography exhibitions. You usually have them with lots of different artists or photographers. Somebody's coordinated and brought it together. And so again, um, it, it expands that audience. And I feel like that the same thing could be done in in most, if not all kinds of business. It's like, what kinds of partnerships can we form with complementary partners? Like, is there a way that my podcast and your podcast can create a bigger audience for both podcasts? Hmm. You know, and I think that you've got a vision for that, you know, in some of the work that you're doing is that, you know, you're offering the ability for people to combine their audiences in kind of a network of, of podcasts. I love that idea. And I think that that's going to be something that we see a lot more of as podcasts evolve and develop. Hmm. All right. One of the things you mentioned earlier, and I wanted to come back to this uh, and explore this a little bit more, the idea of this discomfort 
and how that lines up with our core values. So often, and again, thinking back to kind of my exit to the corporate world, and again, something I didn't know at the time, but on reflection back, I can see really clearly that that's um, there are a lot of things there that had changed in the environment, in the culture of the company that were at odds with my core values, and that was the source of the discomfort. How do we, how do we get really clear first of all about what those core values are and what the non-negotiable ones are? Because we we have values all the time that are shifting that are not necessarily set in stone but there are core values that are set in stone how do we get really clear about those and be clear about how they're serving us also so that they're not actually limiting beliefs i think there are a couple of ways to to approach that that i use a lot one of them is to to talk about what matters and then what about that matters? And then what about that matters? And what about that matters? And, and what you ultimately end up with is that as you follow that chain of questioning, you end up with an answer that you can't go any further with. Hmm. And that's the core value. So I always kind of start with that, with that line of approach of, of questioning what really matters and the other thing that i also feel is important is to talk about who really matters because one of the things that i think is missing in our in our conversation around core values is to talk about the people and the causes that really resonate with people because i i feel like that one of the places that you need to look for opportunity is in those communities where where the people reflect the values that you hold for them Hmm. so one of the things that i really look at i have a real compassion for people who who are artistic those are people that i really care about and i want them more than anything else i don't want them to suffer anymore And their work has become a point of suffering in their life. And I don't want that to happen. That really matters to me. That's one of the things that motivates me more than anything else is if you're suffering in your work, I don't believe that it has to be that way. And I want to help you get out of that. So that that's one way that I could say is that if, if I see someone who I, I perceive in a place where their work has become a point of suffering for them. I can't tolerate that. That violates my value system Hmm. and I'm going to act. So those are some questions that I look at is like, what really matters to you? But not only that, who really matters to you? Who are the people that you cannot not help? Hmm. It's like you can, you can't leave them where they are. That's an important question, I think, for most people to answer. Yeah, I really like that approach to the core values. And also when you get to the point of, okay, I don't know anymore, I can't answer the question anymore. Um, yeah. That, Like in neuroscience, that's called a boundary condition. That's actually where the learning happens. And often when I, when I have that sort of questioning process, I actually like to dig dig even deeper than that and say well okay you don't know now what could it be Uh, because that often brings up something that's unconscious and there's there's a fair bit of power in that so have you ever had an experience like that where where people come out of that exercise and say oh wow i didn't really it's kind of like the lights just come on Uh, that happens all the time yeah and one of the things that I think is really important is that if people are really having a hard time getting an idea off the ground, or if they're having a hard time, you know, creating some kind of a structure around uh, an idea, very often the, the work that needs to be done first is to go down into that value piece and to find out, is there something here that's in conflict or not in, not in really good harmony with my core values? 
because very often, if it's not in, in harmony with your core values, you're going to have a difficult time manifesting that thing. Mm-hmm. I've seen it over and over and over again. There's one other thing about core values that I, it's a line of questioning that I use with some frequency as well. And that, that has to do with making a distinction between an activity and a value. So if somebody comes to me and they say that they they value transparency, well, transparency is kind of a, a, a an activity category. So what I ask them is, what is it that transparency brings forward in you? What is it that transparency really gives you? And when they answer that question and they say something along the lines of, you know, trust then i can ask the question again what does that trust give you and they can they can come up with something along the lines of safety and when they move from the idea of an activity into an idea of a quality then i think we're talking about values because values are a quality of life the activity is the thing that brings the value forward and makes it makes it a manifest thing but the quality is the thing that we're really talking about when we're talking about core values Mm. yeah that's a really good distinction and often i think people get a little confused over that and they talk about values where it's they're actually actions or behaviors that are the manifestation of the value and yeah it's it's good to understand what is the underlying core value because there's other behaviors or actions that manifest that same core value, right? Right. Hmm. What's really interesting to me is that once they actually land on the core value, there's an energy that happens for them that all of a sudden their creativity kicks into gear. They start getting ideas and they start having visions about what what they need to do. Hmm. And, and it's amazing to me. It's almost miraculous when they get in touch with their core values, that creativity is almost an automatic response. And I've seen it over and over and over again. So I really know when we've landed on it, when they start to envision what those values look like in action. Hmm. Yeah, because then then you're coming from the reverse place, right? You're not going from behavior or action and trying to identify the core value now you've got the core value and you're saying well there could be all these other actions or behaviors and then it gets into the creativity realm yeah exactly Hmm. that's exactly how it works Hmm. all right well this is fantastic franklin um i just saw the time so i think it might be a good point at this point where we've sort of wrapped up that values piece and turn to the buzz which is our innovation round and it's the same five questions i ask of every guest the idea is you'll give us some really insightful answers and inspire the listener to go and take some awesome action as a result today in alignment with their values of course (laughs) okay yeah what's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative i think more than anything else i think that they need to they, they need to learn how to be receptive. Mm-hmm. And I think that recept- receptivity shows up in a number of ways. For me, the primary way that it shows up is in listening. Mm-hmm. I think we need to learn how to listen more deeply to each other. And in doing that, we're receiving each other on deeper and deeper levels and we can respond to each other on deeper and deeper levels. Yeah, that's a really good point. And somebody said to me recently, they use the term notice, notice things. And I thought yeah. that, that's a really, it's such a simple word really, but it's such a powerful idea. And you talk about listening, there's listening to the words people say, but there's so much more you can notice in that conversation, right? There's yeah. the body language, there's their demeanor, there's their level of energy, there's a whole lot of little things like skin tone, um, whether their eyes are bright and lit up or whether they're kind of dull and glazed over, all these things. I think attention is our greatest power. Mm. And the, the more that we can learn how to 
really attend to people, the better our lives will become. Yeah, I love it. Attention is our greatest power. Yeah. All right. What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? New ideas? Well, I can't run out of them. <laughs> I have more ideas than I will ever, ever, ever be able to pursue. Um, I think there there are a couple of ways that I prime the pump for ideas, and that is that I love to read and I love to hear stories and I, I'm constantly, I'm constantly feeding myself with, with creative inputs from other people. Um, right now I'm, I'm rereading a book that I read 30 years ago called The Stand by Stephen King. And I had forgotten what an incredibly well-written story that is. And I, I have been flooded with ideas. It, it's his longest book. <laughs> and I, just reading it, I have been flooded with ideas. And what's really interesting is that they're, it's informing marketing, it's informing copywriting, it's informing, you know, social media messages it's informing all these really weird disparate places <laughs> that don't have anything to do with fiction but just his level of creativity is inspiring me to be more creative in some some ways that are a lot of fun so i i am inspired by by consuming other people's creativity um, i host a concert series for the local art museum where we bring together a musician and an artist whose whose work is complementary. Mm. What happens in those concerts is that we have a deeper experience of both the art and the music yeah. because of the way that the music informs the art and the art informs the music. And it's like people are blown away that they've never actually looked that closely at art or never listened that closely to music. And it's just the fact that they're in proximity to each other. Mm that it gives us a whole new level of experience, a whole new level of creativity and a whole new level of ideas. Mm. So I never run out. <laughs> Great. I love that. I'll have, to, I'll have to add the stand to my reading list. I'm not familiar with that, that one. Um, and those events you described, I, I really enjoy that type of event where there's two seemingly unconnected art forms brought together i mean the yeah. music and visual part is a classic one because it happens all the time in film right there's always music right. happening in in a film it's just that the music usually takes a back seat it's critical to generating the atmosphere but we don't necessarily pay a lot of attention to it un until we go and buy the film score or the film yeah um the sound what's it called the sound um soundtrack soundtrack yep. from the film yeah um, Isn't that something? Hmm. So it's, yeah, the concept's there. It's just not really brought out as a standalone little event. And I think that those type of events, I've been to a few of those type of events and, and I find them really fascinating. I agree that, you know, you really appreciate the two different art forms at a, at a whole new level. Yeah. Surround yourself with inspiring things. Hmm. You know, I look around my room and um, a lot of the people that I've worked with are artists and I'm surrounded by their work and it inspires me. Mm. So, you know, you can create your own space, make it inspiring. Yeah. Yeah, that's great advice. All right. Do you have a favorite resource you use most often? Oh, my gosh, this is a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> um. And I, I would have to, I would have to come back to attention, mm. um, because I feel like that attention is the most constant resource that we have available to ourselves, mm. and it's the one that can that we can accomplish the most with. So that would be probably the the one resource that I have to say is constant for me is attention yeah. and how I use it. That's great. I love that answer. And it's something that I think people 
undervalue and of course these days with the instant gratification kind of expectation and the constant distractions of social media in particular we yeah. tend to forget to come back to that attention giving that attention your whole life is nothing but how you pay attention hmm. everything that you do in your life every experience of your life is all about how you pay attention period hmm. so you're creating your life through what you pay attention to that's that's the thing you know everybody talks about you know the secret and in the law of attraction yeah. about you know controlling your thoughts no 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 just pay attention to the things that enrich you hmm. pay attention to the thinking that that feeds you pay attention to the creativity that is around you and you know in you it's like your whole life is being created moment by moment by moment by moment by what you are paying attention to hmm. it's, the, it's the soul power that we have yeah love it and i'd, I'd add to that pay attention to the relationships that are important to you absolutely right, right through you know coming back to your idea of community before and then of course at a very personal level that's critical yeah absolutely i agree all right what's the best way to keep a client on track best way to keep a client on track is to let them go off track <laughs> because i honestly feel like that there's sometimes there's value in that and there are a lot of people that complain about shiny object syndrome and I can understand why, why it's a problem because you can get easily distracted and you can get, you can get, you know, kind of moved off of your momentum with shiny object syndrome. But I really feel like that there's something there because there was a reason that it caught your attention mm. and there may be a need underneath that, that you actually need to pay attention to. So if people are getting off track, one of the things that I want to know is what's there that is attracting them off track hmm. what is pulling them and is there something there that they need to actually pay attention to and bring into their into their project into their business into their into the thing that they're doing into the task at hand so i'm not too worried if they get off track i'm worried if they stay off track hmm. yeah i love that um to really comes back to that word notice again notice what's going on for you notice what what about that caught my attention to yeah come back to the attention word and um yeah what does that mean how does that is there something is there something important to gain from a from looking there you know mm. yeah that that's really great advice and then of course we can't stay off track uh, yeah. But maybe the track has to shift if if we explore that what we what we learn from noticing why we've gone on tra off track here, what something else has caught our attention, maybe the track has to move. Yeah, sometimes it does. Mm. Sometimes it does for sure. All right, and what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Well, that's a great question and it's it's actually of the five that you ask it's probably my favorite <laughs> your gift differentiates you because it's unlike anybody else's in the world hmm. your unique qualities show up in in this package unlike every other human being and that is the thing that differentiates you i'm working on a, a workshop that i'm going to be delivering at the end of february that's all about that in marketing because i feel like that there's a lot of pressure especially on solopreneurs and freelancers and people who work for themselves there's a lot of pressure to show up everywhere all the time and try to be visible and present and try to try to you know market in as many different places as you can and that actually is something that is overwhelming and is a, a real source of burnout for new business owners especially and one of the things that i've really been working on for the last few years is the idea that everybody has a unique marketing modality that's that's built up of their particular communication strengths their preferences for leadership and persuasion their preferences for the arena that they that they enjoy working in 
And when they pull all of those things together and they focus their marketing using that modality, they find that their marketing is much more effective and it requires less output on their part in order to actually do what they need to do, which is to bring their business and their customers together. Mm. We've got to, we've got to remember that the whole point of marketing is to bring our business and our customers into the same place, whether it's virtual or in brick and mortar. The goal is we get, we get them together and then we see that they need, we, we show them that they need each other. (laughs) So the thing that I look at is that the marketing modality helps people to come up with a real simple and direct way of conducting their marketing that works. And if they stick to it, they don't have any trouble getting people into the, into the sales conversation. Hmm. Hmm, That's fascinating. Um, We'll have to include a link to that in the show notes as well as the other things. So thanks so much for getting us through the buzz round and thanks for this entire conversation. I've really enjoyed this. Now, where can people reach out to you to maybe get in touch and find out more about you and maybe even say thanks for what you've shared today? Oh, wonderful. Um, My website is franklintaggart.com and uh, Taggart is spelled T-A-G-G-A-R-T, not E-R-T. So um, franklintaggart.com. For people who are first-time visitors, go to the welcome page. There's a real brief introduction to to me there and to talk a little bit about the things that I do and the things that are coming up, like the workshop, you can find out about there. And then all of my, all of my various podcasts and, and things like that are available on my website as well. And I also, um, I welcome people to get in touch with me. Um, I offer um, a phone call. It's called the best next step call. And it's a free one hour call. And you can get a hold of that through bit.ly slash best next step call. Wonderful. And we'll include all those links in the show notes, as I said. Excellent. So do you have some parting advice as we wrap it up, Franklin, for our audience? My motto (laughs) is show up, pay attention, and participate. Mm. That is the advice that I give everybody. If you want to have a rich life, those are the three things that you need to do. Yeah, I love it. And we talked. you talked earlier about giving yourself permission to explore and, and kind of experiment with things. So, and then, of course, yeah. so, so that's the um, participate part, but paying attention to the outcome and what might make it work even better and showing up again for the next step is, yeah. is key. So thanks for that. All right. Final, My pleasure. Finally, who else should I get on the show and why? Oh, there are so many people. Have you already interviewed Kat Stanzik? I have, yes. Oh, that's right. I, I saw Kat's yeah. uh, episode or heard it. Um, oh my gosh, that's a great question. Uh, there are a couple of people that I'm going to recommend. There's one guy in particular that I think you would have a lot in common with. His name is Seth Silvers. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he has a company called storyon.com. Um, Seth is someone who is just passionate about podcasting. And he loves the medium. He's um, he's doing some pretty cool, innovative things in podcasting that I think you would have a lot to talk about with him. So he's one person that I would um, encourage you to talk to. I'm also going to recommend my friend Joni Connell. She's the one who who went through the Clifton Strengths Finder with me, and she's at FlexibleWorkSolutions.com. And Joni just wrote a book about um, hiring, using STEM as a guide for hiring in tech organizations. Mm. And she's an organizational psychologist. She's just a brilliant lady. But I really like what she has to say about helping people to kind of find their their direction in their workplace and to communicate better. Excellent. Well, sounds like Seth and Joni are both fascinating guests. And of course, Kat was a fascinating guest. I'm still talking yeah. with her on a regular basis. So we may have her back on the show 
at some point. I want to be the president of Cat's fan club. I just think <laughs> the world of her. I think she's she's one of the greatest people that I've met in the last year. Yeah, wonderful. All right, well, we'll get an introduction to Seth and Joni from you and see if we can yeah. bring them on the show as well. Wonderful. So thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights so generously today. I've really enjoyed this conversation and learned a lot, and I'm sure there's lots of value in in our conversation for the listener. So all the best. I uh, wish you all the best for the future, and, and let's stay in touch. And I know I'm appearing on your show fairly soon, so we'll definitely be having can't another wait. conversation. In yeah, the, I can't in the wait. <laughs> Jurgen, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. I, I love I love our conversations. We've had a few now, and I've enjoyed all of them. Thanks, Franklin. I hope you enjoyed that engaging and really insightful conversation with Franklin and took something away from his episode. I love Franklin's method of getting to our core values. I invite you right now, as you listen to this, to spend some quiet time going through that exercise. Ask yourself, what matters to me? And who matters to me? Follow up with, what about that matters to me? And keep asking and answering until you get to, I don't know. Then ask, what if I did know? I suggest record your answers. After the exercise, reflect on what you learned. Did you uncover some core values? Did you learn more about core values you already knew of? Franklin's episode can be found at innovabiz.co forward slash Franklin Taggart. That is F-R-A-N-K-L-I-N-T-A-G-G-A-R-T. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Franklin Taggart. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Franklin, as well as links to his website, to the Your Own Best Company podcast, to Franklin's social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. Franklin suggested we have a conversation with storytelling strategist and marketer Seth Silvers, with leadership assessment and development expert Joni Connell and relationship-based business strategist Robbie Samuels on future InnovaBuzz podcast episodes. So Seth, Joni and Robbie, keep an eye on your inboxes for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Franklin Taggart. If you've listened this far into the show, I've got a challenge for you. If you've loved this conversation and think it'd be useful to one other person, be brave enough to share that conversation with that one other person. And my guess is, in the 500 and something other episodes that we've published until right now, there's at least one other there that is equally as valuable to you as this episode. So either pick your favorite number or take a 30-second glance through the past episodes and between now and the next episode, listen to one more. And then write me a note on LinkedIn about which episode you picked, why you picked it, and what your biggest takeaway was. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode so that we can get to know you and why you listen. Also, it will help us make the podcast even better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz to pick your preferred platform. And you can follow the show by going to followthepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz. If you'd like a peek behind the curtain into how we put together this show, go to innovabuzz.co forward slash flywheel, where you can access a free gift my team and I made for you, a short audio program that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz flywheel. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and your podcast into a human-centered, 
relationship-focused growth engine. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from Innova Biz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.